pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 255. Today I'm going to chat with Logan Hanks, discuss the assault weapons bill in the house, highlight a new pistol accessory from Black Collar Arms, and talk about a good guy with a gun in Indiana. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and today is my birthday, guys. Obviously, I have big plans. I'm just, you know, hanging out with Logan. Right, Logan? <laughs> Absolutely. Ava, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, happy birthday. That's awesome. I'm honored to be the birthday guest. Yeah, well, I, I actually didn't realize that when I booked you, I didn't realize that it was my birthday. See, this is the thing. Like, I've been so busy lately that I was like, oh, man, it's July. Like, I just realized last week that it was my birthday. And then I'm like, all right, well, what am I supposed to do for my birthday? I guess I should, like, have a get-together or something. So I, like, threw it together real quick. So tonight I'm having a little party. But it's one of those things, I guess, when you get older, you just... Not to say you don't care as much, but you just have so much other real-world problems, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it kind of just becomes another day. And I don't know. I don't think... You know, I think you have like your your pivotal birthdays, you know, kind of when you're younger uh, and then you turn like, you know, 21. I remember when I turned 21, I was like, all right, I can go, you know, legally buy alcohol. And I think I went and I didn't even get carded uh, the first time. So that's funny. But like, you know, 21, I don't know, 40, maybe a pivotal one after that. Yeah. Like 30, it wasn't really, that was just another day. So yeah. I, oh I no, 30, I did it up. I had, I bought my friends tickets to Vegas and we partied for like two days straight and did stuff that really? I was like, yeah. I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to even say like some of the stuff that I did, but I'm like, I'm only getting older and <laughs> I'm still young. So I'm like, I might as well just do it now. And there you go. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, guys, if you're wondering, I'm 36 today and I think I look pretty good for my age. I mean, I know I should probably stay humble, but there's some people that I went to school with where I was like, you know, running to them at the grocery store. And I'm like, holy shit, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> yeah, so, same thing happened. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, uh, like you barely recognize yeah. them. You can just kind of see it in their eyes and you're like, wait, is that is that so-and-so? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's kind of the like I try to we were talking before we started, you know, try to work out and stay in shape and kind mm -hmm. of things like that. And that's been, that's one of the craziest things, not to sound like a, a dickhead, uh, but like when I see, I assume I can cuss, uh, when like, you know, when I see somebody that I went to school with and they've gained like a ton of weight, yeah, that's, I think that's what always really catches me off guard. Like, I mean, like talking some serious weight, I've seen some people that I graduated with that, I almost have to double take just to recognize them. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And some of these people were like athletes in high school and stuff. So it's yeah. just kind of weird, but I agree. And then also I have really good news is I finally got an offer on my house. And Logan, you don't know this, but I put my house on the market about a month ago. It took a month for it to sell, which is pretty crazy. Well, I listened to your episode with Ben and I think you talked about it in that one. Okay. Yeah. So I finally just accepted an offer and that's been crazy. I mean, that was like a huge stress relief. Like, okay, good. Cause I, I sold my house. I have a new house being built. I'm like, I need to sell this house. But at 9.45 last night, I get an email from my realtor asking if they can come at 10 a.m. to do the radon testing. And then if the people that are buying the house, if they could just, you know, come with and show they have 
I guess some in-laws that are visiting if they could show them the house. And I'm like, uh, you're telling me this at like almost 10 o'clock at night that they're coming at 10 a.m. <laughs> My house is kind of a mess because I started packing and yeah. I'm like, okay, this is going to get old pretty quickly if they're just letting me know like the night before. But yeah, so now I get to experience all of those fun things. Anyways, long story short, I was like, sorry, like it's my birthday. I have to record a podcast and I have so many things planned and like it's a no go. So I'd put my foot down. Are these a the bit. people that are buying it? Like y'all have done signed on it and everything? Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to come, I guess, when they did the radon testing and then show their in laws the house, which I mean, I've only bought one house, but I don't remember getting to see the house whenever I wanted, which would have been cool because. I was super excited to buy my first house and I was like, okay, I don't remember what that looked like. And I was like, you know, when you're trying to plan out what you need to buy for furniture and stuff, but yeah, uh, between you and I, they already yeah, sound like a pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, like you said, hopefully it'll, it'll roll on. That's kind of, I'm in a similar situation on a, I'm actually selling some land out here and, uh, it was like a battle, uh, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and we're, we're waiting. We're supposed to close on it in a couple months. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm not even really considering it like a done deal yet until right. we go and sit down and sign. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have a whole lot of confidence. in yeah. this. <laughs> yes. I know. I was kind of thinking the same thing because they're using a VA loan, which is fine. But I guess the VA, like when they do the inspection, they're really strict. My house is totally fine, but the fence around it definitely needs to be fixed. And I'm like, I'm not fixing the fence. I got a quote for that and it's like 15,000. And um, yeah. even if I did want to fix it, they're like three months out because there was so much yeah. wind damage. I'm like, fingers crossed that they don't bring that up. But yeah, that's why I'm kind of like, I'm not going to officially be like, yeah, I sold my house until everything is signed and I have a check in hand. So I hear you. I get it. Yep. Anyways. Yeah. So that's what's going on in my life. Birthday, selling the house and party tonight. But before we get into what's going on in your life, I'm going to take a quick break, talk about Smith & Wesson. If you guys are looking for a new EDC, but you like a little more metal, check out the new CSX from Smith & Wesson. It's another new high-capacity micro 9mm, but unlike the others on the market, this one's a single action with an external hammer. So it's just slightly smaller than the Shield Plus with a 10 round flush mag or 12 rounds. And I really like shooting this. I think that it actually has less recoil than the Shield Plus. And I don't think it's because of the metal frame per se. I think it's just the way that it was built. It definitely, like I said, it shoots well. It feels really great in your hand. It has interchangeable back straps to adjust to your hand. It's also uh, pretty ambidextrous with safety levers on both sides and slide releases. And then you could also swap out that mag release if you want. MSRP on this is $609. And if you guys are interested, I also reviewed it and posted it on my YouTube channel. But if you want to check out more about the specs, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, Logan. So my friend Ben, who actually is a mutual friend, he recommended that I have you on the show. And when he told me that you were into farming, I actually got really excited because I've been wanting to discuss a few topics about farming for a while now. 
but I didn't really know anybody that was also into guns where it kind of went hand in hand, even though I'm not saying that it often doesn't. I just personally didn't know anybody. But before we get into all of that, can you just kind of explain to listeners, give us a rundown of what it is that you do? Yeah, of course. And uh, and I want to you know thank Ben uh, for for recommending me. He's he is awesome. Love the the actual horror stuff that he gets into. I thought that was pretty fascinating. Yeah, um, he's an okay uh, guy. He's definitely out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's, he's it was awesome afterwards. It's like man, you know this dude. Which I like people that have like the multi. You you can't like really place them in a box. Uh, yeah, I like people like that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I am a farmer in uh, West Tennessee. Um, I tell everybody I'm in Munford. Nobody knows where that is. So I tell them it's about 20 miles out of Memphis. And um, we do not consider ourselves Memphis. It's very rural. But yeah, so I grew up farming here. It's been in my family forever. We started with cattle and had probably at our biggest, we were running probably 330, 350 head of cattle. And then we started moving more towards row crop just it's cattle honestly they're they're a real pain in the ass for the they can get to be whenever you have that many they get out you know you get phone calls at Mm -hmm. one o'clock in the morning cattle are out and so row crop is nice i don't have to worry about beans uh getting out and going anywhere so (laughs) we started moving that way and we farm mostly uh beans wheat and corn and uh yeah, I got I had left the farm for a little bit growing up as a teenager in it. I was, you know, had to do it. And so then I was like 18, 19. The last thing I wanted to do was farm. So I said, I got to I got to get out of here. So I actually went and became a machinist, which I am a dude of uh, big dreams. Like if I have an ambition, I'm like, you know, when I became a machinist, I said, I'm going to start my own shop. I wanted to land some like DOD contracts and start making stuff for the military. Like that was where my mind was. I uh, did not do that. I got into machining. Medical is really big out here. Started making medical parts and I hated it. Just I was stuck inside all day. And I mean, I'm just I am an outside guy. So got my opportunity to get back to the farm and uh, came back to farming I'll be in trouble if I don't mention, you know, I, I am married. I have twins that are four years old, boy, girl, twins. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And so got back to farming, but I've always had a weird kind of like a creative desire, I guess. And so love really big into film. Somehow that, that turned into me starting a podcast and I started Living Fully Loaded which is my show that I run primarily. And then I even have a side project my cousin and I do that is focused only on farming and it's called Talk Dirt to Me. I love that. And uh, that's our other one. So yeah, you know, it's fun. We kind of keep it, we keep it real light. Uh, We make fun of Joe Biden a lot. Um, So (laughs) it's, you know, it's a, it is a fun thing, but yeah, that's me. I just, a farmer that, I don't know, a lot of farmers I know have big dreams. I've always kind of wondered why that is. It seems a lot of farmers are that way, but that is me. And I did definitely grow up. I've been a hunter all my life and been around guns all my life. I have a, I have probably an unhealthy addiction to firearms at this point, but, uh, no, there's no you know, such thing. That's right. And, you know, I tell my wife <laughs> it's an investment. They're oh yeah, totally. Like, uh, you know, yep. So that would be me in a nutshell. Nice. I like it. Let's talk about fully loaded. What do you guys discuss on that show? 
Oh man. Well, you know, you really never know, uh, to be honest, you know, you, you mentioned we were going to wing some wing it a little bit. And that is essentially my, my platform of that show. Like, um, when I started it, it was American Huntsman. I started it as a hunting show mm-hmm. and uh, realized really quickly that I wanted to talk about stuff besides just hunting. So yeah. that's when I changed it to Living Fully Loaded. And, um, you know, I go into a show, I'll have a guest on, I'll have some topics in mind, but I really just let it go where it goes. And, you know, if we chase a rabbit hole, we might talk about movies for 20 or 30 minutes Mm -hmm. um, and then, then roll in. And so that's kind of the, the basis, but the ultimate kind of drive for me with starting the show kind of came to me when I was a machinist and I would get to know different guys and different people in the shop. And I, for some reason, the way my mind goes, I would kind of get to know them and I would just be like, so, you know, why did you become a machinist? Mm -hmm. Like, is this something you, you dreamed about being a machinist? And I mean, you know, 98% of them were like, no, I, I had no desire to be a machinist. And, um, so I was like, okay, well, why'd you do it? And they were kind of in the same boat as me, you know, it sounded cool or something, or they just needed a job. Yeah. And, um, so they, they got into it. And so then I would even probe a little deeper and I'd learn like, well, what did you want to do? You know, why, what was it that you actually wanted to be doing? And guys, there was guys that wanted to, you know, they wanted to build guns. They wanted to play professional baseball. They wanted to have this company that, and uh, I always was kind of, it just bummed me out because Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, why are these people like, why not? Why aren't you doing what you want to be doing? And when I started the show and kind of went to living fully loaded, I was like, that's going to be one of the things I want to talk to people because I've had some super, what I consider very hard chargers. Uh, sorry, y'all may can hear my rooster outside. I don't know if it's picking oh, up. Oh, no, but, it's uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say there is some chickens right beside my, my studio here, but uh, mm-hmm. I've had some really hard chargers on the show, but at the end of the day, they're, they're all just, you know, they're just normal people. Mm-hmm. They just went after what they wanted to do. And so that's kind of my, my goal is to take people on the show that are really crushing it and really just bring them back, like bring them to reality and let people understand, like they're not superhumans, you know, they're, they're regular people like we are. They just have a vision and they have a, a focus on something that they want to achieve and they do it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's kind of why I started my show is I wanted to humanize the industry And I realized after talking to a lot of people and myself that, you know, everybody has a story. And so I wanted to, you know, give these people a public space to share that story. And I'm like really fascinated with, you know, how people's lives sort of unfold. It sounds like you and I have a lot in common. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about primary arms. If you've got a 9mm PCC, a perfect optic to check out is the GLX2X Prism with the ACSS Gemini Reticle. It's one of the new offerings for this year, specifically calibrated for the 9mm caliber. The Gemini Reticle is designed so the top of the chevron gives you a 50 yard zero, and then you have holds for like 100, 150, 200 yards. 
One of the great things about it, since it's a prism, you still have a reticle even if the battery dies. It also has auto live, which is essential feature, I think, since it shuts off when it hasn't been moved, which I am the worst about shutting off my ear pro and my red dots, which obviously it makes the battery life. It actually lasts up to 20,000 hours. Check these out at primaryarms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY. And you're going to get a free cleaning kit with every primary arms optic that you buy. Let's talk about farming. There's been a lot of weird things going on with farming in the last couple of years. And it's really weird because a lot of people aren't really aware of it. Like, for example, and again, so I'm going to put on like my tinfoil hat, (laughs) but there's been a lot of farms that were completely destroyed. And this is something that isn't really brought up publicly as much like you don't hear about this happening as much unless you're really paying attention and there's just so many weird things going on and i don't know if you are like me where you're like okay raising an eyebrow where you're like okay there can only be so many things that could go wrong like the chances of you know so many farms getting just destroyed in such little time it just doesn't it kind of raise an eyebrow oh yeah well i'm you know i i definitely wear my my tenfold hat so on the other show, on on Talk Dirt to Me that my cousin and I do, we've we've dove into these pretty hard because there's quite a few things going on. Like, and I'm I may even lean harder toward the conspiracy side than even he does. But like, you know, there's been one of the first things that really kind of got me off guard this year was all the the food processing plants that have burned down. Like, yeah. Gosh, I don't even know how many now. It's like 20 something. And I may be way shy of that now. It seemed like they just kept burning more and more, which, you know, the on the flip side, people are like, well, if you look at the grand scheme of how many food processors there are, it's like less than 1% that's burned. But I don't know. It's still just, it's really fishy to me. And then, you know, we had a recent kind of weird thing where it was like, I mean, a ton of cattle died uh, due yeah. to the, they said it was due to the heat. And so that was one initially I was like, okay, the stuff's burning down, freaking cattle are dying, like some shit's going down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that one kind of got explained pretty well. So apparently they were feedlot cattle. Um mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how in depth you want me to go. I mean, I can. No, I do. Because I, I don't think a lot of my listeners are aware of any of this. Or if they are, it's just, I mean, like me, it's just a very, you know, just a little bit that kind of like, okay, you've heard about it and it makes you think, but I haven't really dove into researching. Gotcha. Okay. So like on the the cattle, for instance, the ones that died, I mean, it was a ton. I don't even remember 20,000, 50,000. I mean, it was a bunch of them, just Mm -hmm. a pile of dead cows. And that one, so they were feedlot cattle. And to explain, like out here where we're at, we have just pasture grazed. They- they roam around in the pastures. They're very, like I feed mine. I do give them a bucket of feed in the morning, a bucket of feed in the night. And they just roam around in the pastures and they're just living the life of a cow. And so the feedlot cattle, that's the ones like, there's really, I think it's four main processors that dominate the market in the U.S. And that's going to be your big, your big meat packers is what they call them. And and they, they dominate all of it. And so that's where these cattle, they would be bought by somebody like that. Try to think of a brand. You know, I, I can't even think of one of the brand names offhand, but they really dictate the markets. And 
there's been recently a bill that they've introduced. They're trying to bust it because it's kind of a monopoly. Like these four companies really have control over all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it shouldn't be that way. Uh, your small meat packers and stuff, they really don't stand a chance against these guys. And so I say that to say like these cattle, people that have this number of cows, like on this feedlot, you know, they have a freaking buttload of cattle and they basically come in. I don't know that they ever even go to pasture. They probably buy them. They might buy them around 700 pounds Mm -hmm. and then they bring them in here and uh, they're going to just feed them. They feed them all day long and just they're fattening them up and they're fattening them up so that then they can go to slaughter. And that's what becomes like your hamburger meat or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're going to buy at the grocery store. That's where a lot of that's coming from. We've been doing that a long time. You know, feedlot stuff is not new. I know it's got some spotlight and people have mixed thoughts on it. You know, it is what it is, but those cows like ours in the pasture, they go, they'll find water in holes. They'll get under shade trees and they're not as fat. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you're fattening up these cows on the feedlot. They really don't have anywhere to go. And so we have been here in West Tennessee, we've been in like a terrible drought and it's, it's very, very hot. Like right now, it's probably about 99, I think 99 degrees out here. Heat index probably around 108. And uh, like you think about these black Angus cows, which most of those that died from what I saw looked like they were black uh, hide. So that's hot. I mean, you know, they're, they're hot. Yeah. And um, they don't have anywhere to go. Usually at night, they get the break from the weather. Well, when all these died, it was kind of a perfect storm for these cows. Like it was, it was super hot. It wasn't cooling off at night. It actually had just rained like a few days before, which had made the humidity like super high. And the cows, unless we're being fed some crap on it, that's kind of what it looks like. The cows just honestly, they did have heat strokes because it was so hot at night. They didn't have a break from it. I mean, we've had some nights here where at nine or 10 o'clock at night, it was still 97 degrees outside. Wow. And that is, that is brutal, brutal on these cows. Like my cousins, he's real big into the cattle. That's what he does. And, um, he was telling me, I think they say 40 degrees Fahrenheit is ideal temperature for one of these black hatted cows. So you imagine it being 108 heat index um, and their ideal temperatures around 40. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty brutal on some cows. So that was, and I still, I have mixed thoughts on it. You know, I'm still like, who knows? Mm-hmm. But then the, the biggest one to me is probably Bill Gates. Uh, you know, he's, he's buying like, I'm sure you've seen in the headlines and stuff where he's buying like basically every bit of farm ground that he possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's really pushing this fake meat thing and then the lab-grown meat. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. It looks awful. Like, I saw a, one of my... I get a few more farming magazines, and they had a picture of, like, a ribeye that was grown in the lab, and it just looked disgusting, which it's kind of comical to me because, you know, farmers... It's so weird. Like, we get... People love to hate on us, but we, we grow the food and then they want to hate on us for chemicals or something like that. Yet now these same people, they want this meat that's not even real meat that's grown in a lab. Like, you know, it's completely unnatural. So it's yeah. kind of funny the 
the hate on that we get on that side. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. In fact, I just Googled lab grown meat just to see again, like what it looks like. It's also interesting, the impossible, like the impossible meat, which I actually just yeah. had for the first time it was chicken and I had it in my pasta because sometimes the meat just grosses me out. And it probably is because I just get it at the grocery store. They're not taking care of the animals like chickens. You know, most chickens don't even yep. see daylight. They're just in this big warehouse eating, fattening up like at an abnormal pace. And, um, yeah. and then just like the hormones and stuff. And so I don't know, sometimes I'm like, I'm not a vegetarian, but there are certain times where I'm like, I'm just not, I just don't really want meat. <laughs> yeah. And what did, the, what did the fake chicken taste like? Um, it just tasted like a chicken nugget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that it the actually, consistency? Yeah. Yeah. Like the consistency was more like a McDonald's chicken nugget. So you know how you're not like getting actual like pieces of meat. It was more just kind of ground up and then had like that, you know, breaded outside. Oh, that sounds terrible. It wasn't bad, but then again, they probably just, who knows what it is. Maybe it's tofu or something, Yeah. but I haven't had one of those like impossible burgers or anything like that which is interesting to me because I guess they even have like a dye in there so that you can even, it like bleeds blood kind of like when you, after you oh, cook really? the, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know, but I mean, it is like, so all these things. So, okay, maybe the cows, you know, dying were justified, but it is kind of weird that like so many places are burning up. Food is at an all time high, the cost. And well, it's I mean, it's about to get worse. Well, I mean, I was going to say everything right now is, I mean, inflated, but why do you think it's about to get worse? Yeah. Uh, well, I would say, because again, like here, we're in a bad drought. And uh, I mean, I've this is my eighth season since I came back, like full time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like I said, I grew up in it, but I honestly, most of the guys around here, I've talked to some older farmers and we haven't seen a year like this uh, since 1983. And uh, in 1983, a ton of farmers went broke and it was it was super hot and it was super dry. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. And this drought's not just localized to us. Like it's a it's a pretty widespread drought. And we're not really I mean, harvest hasn't really started yet. So we haven't really seen the ramifications of this drought yet. And I think we're going to get into harvest. I mean, I already know my yields are going to be low just because we've missed so many rains. I mean, I have I have one whole field that's just about completely dead. Wow. Uh, my beans just, you know, they just couldn't make it because they didn't get any rain. And so, you know, I, I feel like we're going to have a pretty serious shortage. And that's not only going to be on the row crop side. You know, we got a lot of vegetables and things that come out of the states here that they're going to be down cattle. They're probably, I'm going to say they're hurting pretty bad. Hay is going to be in short supply. People that feed cattle, they need hay. If hay gets short, I mean, it's going to be, I could see, uh, you know, people selling their cattle early. So I would say even the, the total yield of beef will get, will be down probably pork and maybe even chicken. So, cause all of these things tie in like these feedlots, I mean, they use corn and they're using products that we grow. Well, if there's a shortage of that, you know, it's going to, it's going to hurt them here. And so it's all going to be kind of interlinked. And so I feel like, you know, I, I really don't know what we're going to see, especially going into next year. 
I, I just feel like we're going to see a pretty big shortage. And I mean, that's why, you know, I hunt. That's one of the good things. <laughs> I'm a hunter and I, I mean, we have cattle. Like my, my freezer is very full, mm-hmm. but uh, we might be a very meat heavy time for us because vegetables may be pretty thin, but that is something I do see. I see, I feel like we're going to see that. And our prices are really high right now. And I don't know that that has carried over yet to the grocery stores yet, but it will. I mean, it's all, I think we're going to start seeing it trickle down, I guess, is what I, what I'm imagining. And people are going to be pretty shocked. Obviously, like say the inflation rate is ridiculous and that's pretty much without the effects of what we're dealing with coming into play yet. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. So not to be doom and gloom, but that's kind of what I see. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to let people know what's going on. And I always say, Hey, you prepare and worst case scenario, you prepared for nothing and you, you know, I mean, I'd rather be prepared than not unprepared. Yeah. Um, you grow a garden? No. So I grow, I really should because I grow everything except for the, you know, the stuff that I would need if shit hits the fan. I'm all about like, I mean, I look like the flower lady on my block, my entire yard front and back filled with flowers. I have the nicest green grass plants. I have tons of plants inside my house. Like I definitely have a green thumb, but yeah, I have noticed, you know, just driving around in Colorado Springs, there's a lot of people that are putting up greenhouses. And I think people are getting smart where they're, you know, starting to grow their own crops and I'm thinking like, well, that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah. And I know yeah. a lot of people are starting to prepare for stuff like that, or they're buying chickens or any of that stuff. And unfortunately, I'm not doing that. And I do. So like I said, I, I just sold my house. I have a new house being built. I have no idea where the hell I'm going to put a garden because HOA is super strict. <laughs> I'm going to like a fancy area. <laughs> And I I doubt they're going to let me have a greenhouse, but I was like, well, what if we put one of the greenhouses inside my room? Because it's a seven bedroom house and it's only me living there. So turn a bedroom into a greenhouse. Yeah. Like that wouldn't, and if anything, maybe that would be better because then I wouldn't have to worry about pests and stuff. Yeah. That'd definitely help there. You know, I I mentioned the garden because for two reasons, I mean, obviously, you know, going in, if we start to, to run low on stuff, you know, I don't know if. There's an old quote, or not quote, but a statistics. 99% of the population does not farm. Like it's it's something like, it's a little less than 1% of our U.S. population that's farmers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 100 years ago, it was like, I mean, 30% or maybe even more. I don't know. I used to could remember that stat off my head. But at one point in time, the majority of Americans were in farming in some capacity and were we're very far removed from that at this point. And so that's one of the things I encourage, obviously, if we're going into a time where things might get short, having a garden is good. You know, you can even get into canning where you can have stuff even when it's out of season. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, for people that are worried, like, you know, maybe they see the, the crops and the chemicals that we, I mean, we have to use them because when you're trying when you have less than 1% trying to provide for the remaining 99% plus exporting it to try to help other countries, um, we have to farm the way we farm in order to do it. You mm-hmm. can't do it organically. You can't do it non-GMO. You know, I'm 
I love Joe Rogan, um, but he does not know very much about farming. Like I've, I've listened to him kind of somewhat attack the industrial ag is what they call it. And I love the thought of regenerative ag. Like that's the direction I want to move closer to. I've got cover crops and stuff, but at the end of the day, that's not really a sustainable method. The only way you could make it sustainable is if more people started growing their own food and it lessened the demand. And I mean, that's gotta be a pretty substantial like amount to make a difference. And that would help a couple things. Cause I'll tell you the biggest poison to me in agriculture right now is big operations. Like in my area, for instance, we've got a guy that works like 30,000 acres and I work around 1200 acres and I'm a, I'm a small farmer in my area. Now there's some guys work a good bit less than me. I'm, I'm at a decent size to make a living, but I mean, you think about the difference between a thousand acres and a a 30,000 acre operation. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're making millions of dollars and uh, they milk the government very hard. Like, at that size, they're they're cheating the government, which I, I am not a fan of the government, but I don't like it when people are cheating the system to like outdo the next guy. Yeah. And they're cheating the system on the, the payouts and different things. And it's, they're the biggest, to me, that is the biggest threat to agriculture is these huge operations. And they're also going to be the biggest ones that they're going to have the hardest time if the demand starts to come down. And the supply that we have, we can kind of keep up with these huge operations. They're going to be the ones that are going to really have to shift gears because they're going to be, they're just too big and the, it won't be affordable to be that huge anymore. So it would help us all out if more people grew their own food is, I guess, the, the main gist of that. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Mantis. If you want to save money practicing with your AR and step up your dry fire, you need to check out the Blackbeard from Mantis. The Blackbeard is an auto resetting trigger system for the AR-15 so that you can dry fire without forming the habit of racking the charge handle every time you need to shoot to reset the trigger. As a drop-in bolt carrier and charging handle that contains a laser so that you can see your shot and instead of a magazine, you have a red battery pack that connects to the bolt carrier group and they're all red so that you're not going to confuse it with the real thing. One of the best things about it is it doesn't change your trigger. So you're training with the same trigger as you would if you, you know, were using live ammo. It also resets the trigger fast enough for 10 shots per second so that you can do it pretty fast. They take less than a minute to install and require zero modifications. I just put out a video on one if you want to check out that information. MSRP is anywhere from $219 with a red laser or 250 with a, and this is peaches. She's getting mad because I'm not paying attention to her. $250 with a green or infrared laser. So definitely check these out at mantisx.com. I know for sure uh, that you've, you've piqued my interest on the mantis uh, because I try to do a lot of dry fire practice, especially with my, primarily with my pistols. But, um, that is always my biggest annoyance is having to rack the slide because I don't want to like get myself into the habit of yeah. shooting and then racking. I know. Um, so I've tried to kind of the way I typically do it is I'll, I'll pull to the wall uh -huh. 
and then I'll do that like several times. And then like on the last one, I'll, I'll break the trigger over just so I'm like at least pulling the trigger. But, but even then I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to train myself to like half pull. So yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check out the Mantis. Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty great. I really like it. I just wish that they develop one for the, like for a handgun because you know, it's nice to dry fire your handgun as well. But again, you're racking that slide every time to reset that trigger. So hopefully. Okay. So it is only for the rifle. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Only for the rifle, but Hopefully Mantis comes out with something that's similar to the setup that they have with the Blackbeard because this is definitely a game changer. Yeah. Going back to, I guess, farming, would you say that most farmers, I mean, I would assume most farmers are probably gun guys and then I would assume that they're also probably hunters as well, correct? Well, it's funny. I know a lot that are and I know a lot that aren't. Um, They're either, uh, yeah, it's, it seems like as they get older, they quit hunting uh-huh. and uh-huh. a lot of the younger farmers are hunters. Like that's kind of the way it seems to go. Like my dad, even the same way, like he, he hunted a bunch as a kid. And then as he's gotten older, uh, he just kind of gets less. He says he's not as mad at them as he used to be at the animals. <laughs> but, uh, so I don't know, you know, a lot are, but the, the guns, it is funny. I, I actually, had gone on uh, John Bartolo's show last year, um, you know, before mm-hmm. he unfortunately passed away. And we talked about that. He, cause he was kind of like, man, it seems like farmers, they really like guns. And I said, yeah, they're kind of like a missed, I, to me, I'm like, that's kind of a missed market for gun companies. But then I think, well, we are less than 1% of the population. So probably not, but we are big gun guys because, like, for instance, uh, one of the farms we work, it had a bad hog problem. Yeah. And that's what I was, was just going to mention. New, yeah. Yeah. And it, it was kind of a new thing for our area because we worked some ground right on the Mississippi river mm-hmm. and, uh, they, they moved in in our area and I had just, I took a bolt action 270 down there and I had like a green light mounted on it, just a predator light. And I never even saw any, I used to keep an AR 10 in my combine and I saw some down there and of course, it was like the one day I didn't have my AR in the combine, but some of our neighbors down there, they actually went as far as they bought some thermal optics Dang. and they put them on like 300 blackouts and they went down there. And I mean, you know, these are, these are like, you know, $5,000 optics uh, they've got on these 300 blackouts and they killed the shit out of them. I mean, they killed a ton of them. Uh, hogs are super smart though. Like a lot of guys ended up trapping them. They would set traps to catch them. And then you'd go and, I mean, it sounds brutal, but I mean, people got to realize like these hogs are decimating crops. So, I mean, <laughs> you would set a round trap of like panels. You'd have a gate set up with like a trail camera video on the gate. And the hogs are so smart that initially you'd put corn in the center of this pen and the mother hog would stand under the gate and let the little piglets run in there and eat and the gate would drop when it triggered and she would hold it on her back and then they'd get done eating and she would step out under the gate. They'd all run out and the gate would drop and none of them were caught. Wow. So yeah, they're, they're super smart. So that's why they went to setting up a camera and the trigger, the gate would be triggered remotely from your phone so that the hogs would, you'd let them get comfortable going in and out. And they'd go in there and, and some of these guys, they would catch 20, 20 hogs at a time. 
And I mean, you go down there with some ARs and they're trapped. And I mean, you just, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Like I said, it sounds, it sounds brutal, but again, these are a very, very invasive species. And like, typically if they get there, it's almost impossible to eradicate them. Like they're so bad that our TWRA, our wildlife resources, they had people come in in helicopters and shoot them from helicopters to try to like get rid of them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you don't want a hog problem, but I say all that to say, I mean, these guys are spending five grand for optics uh, to put on guns and, you know, yeah, we do. Farmers are a pretty strong gun side. Like I know some Democrat farmers, not very many, but uh, I do know some on the left and they all have guns as well. But yeah, we pretty much all are, are packing. Nice. Yeah. I would just assume it'd go hand in hand. Yeah. All right. All right. So wrapping up, do you have any future plans that you can share with us? Uh, I don't know. I always have gears turning on something, but you know, I, I'll shift a little bit. Uh, I know that, uh, going to keep doing living fully loaded and, uh, keep doing talk dirt to me. We we're probably going to push the talk dirt to me side pretty hard because people seem to be really fascinated with the, the farming mm-hmm. side of things. And, and we give a very no BS look into that world. And so that's, you know, I can't reveal anything else uh, going on. I got a few things that I'm kind of scheming up, but I, they're not quite ready for me to like, I guess, to unveil yet. Okay, nice. And then if people want to listen to your podcast, where can they find it? Uh, so Living Fully Loaded is, I'm pretty sure it's on everything. It's on, you know, obviously Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those uh, talk dirt to me is on all those except for Stitcher, I believe. And uh, they both the website, there's livingfullyloaded.com. And then talk dirt to me is talkdirtpodcast.com. And you can reach out to me on those and I'll respond anywhere on there. You can email me. And obviously, I'm very try to be very heavy on Instagram. I don't use Facebook a whole lot. It's kind of, you know, I don't know. Facebook didn't quite do it for me as much, but. Instagram, I'm really active. You can reach out to me on there as well. My handle is uh, low.hanks, L-O.hanks. And uh, yeah, I'll respond to anybody. Awesome. All right, cool. All right, moving forward with the rest of the show. Caldwell has their new version of the Emax Pro Series, the earmuffs available. The Emax Pro Series are a full-size earmuff with electronic amplification of ambient noise so that you can hear what's going on around you, but they also offer 23 decibels of hearing protection. They're low profile to minimize changes to your cheek weld and fold-up compact to go in a range bag. They run on three AAA batteries or Caldwell's optional charging battery pack. The new versions come in flat, dark earth, teal, or gray, and they're also available in youth sizes. They're right now on sale for $49.99. So if you want to check that out, head on over to caldwellshooting.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY10. That's all one word, and that's going to get you 10% off. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF.
Today in politics, so on Wednesday, the House Judiciary Committee held a markup on H.R. 1808, a bill to ban the sale, import, manufacture, or transfer of certain automatic weapons. Essentially, it's a recycling of the old ineffective assault weapons ban with new things added. In the hearing on Wednesday, Jerry Nadler was forced to admit the bill would ban firearms in, quote, common use, which he said is exactly the point. Apparently, he doesn't understand the Constitution and that common use clearly makes what they're trying to pass unconstitutional. That won't stop them from pushing forward with it, though. Right now, they have 213 co-sponsors of the bill, meaning we'll need Democrats from moderate states to cross the line and preventing it from passing. Hopefully, it doesn't stand a chance in the Senate, but there are too many Republicans who have already compromised on our rights recently for comfort. H.R. 1808, in its current form, would ban importation, sale, manufacturing, or transferring the following. All semi-auto rifles that can accept a detachable magazine and have at least one of the following, quote, military features, pistol grip, forward grip, folding, telescoping, or detachable stock, grenade launcher, barrel shroud, or threaded barrel. All semi-automatic rifles with fixed magazines more than 10 rounds. Bump fire stocks or any components that are designed to accelerate rate of fire but not convert it to a machine gun. All semi-automatic pistols that accept detachable magazines and have at least one of the following military features. I was like, wait, am I reading the same thing? No. Military (laughs) Military features, threaded barrel, second pistol grip. Barrel shroud, capacity to accept a detachable magazine at a location other than the pistol grip, or be a semi-auto version of an automatic firearm. All semi-auto shotguns with at least one of the following, folding, telescoping, or detachable stock pistol grip, fixed mag with capacity of more than five rounds, ability to accept a detachable mag, forward grip, grenade launcher, or shotgun with a revolving cylinder. And then high-capacity feeding devices, magazines, strips, drums, capable of accepting more than 10 rounds. That's like a lot. It's like not everything, but close to everything. At this point, they're talking about a grandfather clause for those already in possession, which thank you because we're talking about millions of guns. But the obvious goal there is that you wouldn't be able to transfer or pass them on, and they would ultimately have to be destroyed if they aren't able to pass a ban to confiscate them in the future. After the markup on H.R. 1808, the committee also reviewed H.R. 2814, the Equal Access to Justice for Victims of Gun Violence Act, which seeks to repeal the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, the PLCAA, and replace it with legislation guaranteeing that firearms manufacturers would be held liable for criminal misuse of their products. If that were to go through, it would obviously bankrupt gun manufacturers, which is another one of their goals. The PLCAA is nothing more than codification of basic tort law that manufacturers can't be held responsible for criminal actions committed by others. These are basic protections that every other industry without question and gun control advocates constantly lie about. The PLCAA saying it shields the gun industry unjustly. But that's simply not true. Gun manufacturers can be sued for negligence and other reasons, just not frivolous lawsuits to hold them responsible for criminal actions of others. And then some highlights from the ridiculous testimony are firearms like the AR-15 cause exit wounds that are a foot wide and make human skulls explode on impact. 
<laughs> an M1 Grand and 30-06 is an ancient firearm, whereas the M16 and AR-15 are unusually dangerous. The stabilizing brace functions exactly like a bump stock and turns a firearm into a fully auto gun. Tiny men like you need to have big guns in order to feel powerful that should be banned. That 20 million semi-automatic rifles are in common use and should be banned despite having constitutional protection. That 20 million semi-auto rifles are actually not in common use. Therefore, it should be easier to ban them. Both bills will be heading to full house soon for a vote. So definitely write your reps and tell them that you're absolutely against these because this is ridiculous. I mean, they're looking to pretty much ban anything and everything under the sun at this point. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's crazy. Uh, and I, <laughs> I had just watched, I think it was this morning where that idiot was like, I want to point out that the, the pistol or this stabilizing brace when attached to your arm functions exactly like a bump stop. <laughs> I know. Like, and, and these are the people that are making these bills. Like yeah. it, it kind of reminds me years ago, uh, I think it was Diane Feinstein or whatever had that bill and I can't remember who the guy was. She was on a like a news program, and the dude is like, he goes, Diane, I want to ask you a question about your bill. And she's like, okay. And he goes, what is a barrel shroud? And she's like, uh, well, you know, we also <laughs> want to ban high-capacity mags. And he's like, no, 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 no. What is a barrel shroud? And again, she like kind of tries to deflect. And he asked her a third time. He goes, do you know what a barrel shroud is? Because it's in your bill. So do you know? And she goes, I think it's the shoulder thing that goes up. And he goes, no, that's not what a barrel shroud is. And so, you know, it's like you put this stuff in, this is her bill. That was her bill. And she didn't even know what it was. I know. And like this, this new stuff, oh, it, it's ridiculous. And uh, when I hear that, I'm like, who, who's going to enforce it? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I want to know. Who's going to enforce that? Yeah, it's extremely frustrating that they're trying to make laws that they don't know anything about and that the arm brace makes it shoot faster. I mean, how do you even wrap your mind around that? How does it possibly make it shoot faster? If yeah. anything, it's well, like... you know why they say that. Why? They, they have a narrative and that's uh, because unfortunately, it's the same way somebody could get on TV and be like, all the farmers are giving us cancer. And, uh, yeah. and like... They can they can do these things because there's people that are so ignorant to what they're talking about. I'm not even meaning that like, you know, as a like a, an attack. I'm meaning like they're truly ignorant. Uh, people don't know about guns. And so they watch these things because there is inevitably there's some some liberals, some Democrats, whatever. They'll watch this guy. And when they hear him say that, they're like, my God, these people do not need these pistol braces that are turning these guns into machine guns. Like mm-hmm. there is a person that will watch that and they'll believe it. And yeah. like these, that's one of the frustrating things to me. Like when Biden, you know, he got up one time and he made a remark like the economy is better than it's ever been. Ah, oh, that when we all me. know that is, yeah, we know that's not true, mm-hmm. but there is, I guarantee you there is people on the left side that they hear him say that. And they're like, Oh, well we're doing great. You know? And, so they're just feeding that narrative and they because they know there's people on that side that are going to go for it and guns are easy they're easy because people people that don't know are afraid and so 
how do you stoke some more fear? Well, all these people with these pistol braces, they basically have machine guns and that's the kind of shit they push. Yeah. I know. It's incredibly frustrating. I mean, to say the least, nothing like gets my blood boiling more than, you know, hearing stuff like this. Yeah. All right. Franklin Armory. If you've got the HK91, the 93, or the MP5, I need one for my AP5 because it'll work on clones as well. Definitely check out the HKC1 binary trigger from Franklin Armory. I was just shooting my Sentry Arms AP5 the other day and realized that I need one because I could actually shoot that thing pretty quickly, but I could shoot it even quicker with a binary trigger, which have you ever shot in binary mode? Yeah, I've got an AR with the Franklin trigger in there, and uh, it is awesome. I know. It's so much fun. I'm like, why wouldn't you want to do it? Yeah. And once you get the rhythm down, which I'm still working on, but I think that's the fun part is like I'm trying to get that cadence down to shoot even better and faster, which does require some work and lots of ammo. But yeah, so I would say definitely check it out. Uh, You could do so at franklinarmory.com. Remember to use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, and you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Today's question is, do you think there's any possibility the NFA could be ruled unconstitutional after Bruin? That's a good question. This comes from a motion to dismiss the case against the CRS firearms for selling the auto key card after the Bruin ruling. The motion definitely has merit to declare the NFA is unconstitutional, but I think it's pretty unlikely that the judge will accept the motion. There's multiple instances in SCOTUS rulings that have allowed for certain restrictions, so I think declaring it unconstitutional is a lot to hope for. If it looks like the judge might rule in favor of CRS firearms, I would say that it's more likely ATF would drop the case rather than let the motion go through, though. Yeah. I would definitely love to see it happen, but I don't know. I just wouldn't hold my breath, honestly, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. I don't have much faith in any of them these days. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's right and left. Uh, I don't have much hope in them, but you know, in the Supreme court, they've, they've shocked me recently. I mean, I've been kind of, I guess I've been pleasantly surprised on some of the things that they've done, but yeah, I still, my my trust level is very low. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I hear you. All right, so IWI. If you're into single double action pistols, definitely check out the Jericho Enhanced from IWI. It's the latest version of the popular Jericho with, with a number of enhancements. The new version has a new frame with adjustable back straps, an accessory rail, a new hammer and trigger profile. In a lot of ways, it looks like a hammer fired version of the Masada. They come with 17 round mags and Nova sights. MSRP on these is only $559. Definitely check it out at IWI.us. And if you find any accessories in the web store, remember to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off your entire order. Have you shot their Galil? Yes, I have it, and I love it. It's one of my favorite guns. That is what I've been wanting to add next. I do not have one, but I really have been wanting one of the the Galils. Yeah, it's like, I mean, if you're into AKs, you know, but it's like a glorified AK, and everything just works so much better. Like, it's just like a really 
well broken into AK, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is it is it more accurate? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I wouldn't say, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty accurate with my AKs, actually, but it's just everything about it is just more refined. Yeah, yeah. I had an AK-74, um, I guess the Sportster style or whatever. Uh-huh. And I actually sold it because it was so, it was just such a dirty gun. It shot a really weird uh, 545 by 39 or something. It was... Huh. It was not a five five six. It was a really odd round, and yeah. all the rounds were uh, were Russian, and they were insanely corrosive. And so, you could go out and shoot it for like a day. You were going to have to come in and like seriously clean the hell out of it because it would corrode so bad. So I actually sold it. That's one of the few guns I've ever sold. But Dang. Yeah, I, I am very intrigued by the Galil though. Yeah, yeah, the Galil is really nice. I would definitely say, you know, if you're thinking about getting one, definitely get it. It's a purchase that I don't think you'll regret. Yeah. I may need to do it sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. All right. Today's Tacti Talk. Not a stock, not a brace. Black Collar Arms has introduced a new accessory for pistols that isn't a stock or a brace. It's a adjustable pistol support, so an APS. It's a height adjustable rest designed to support precision pistols on a bench, ground, or other surface. So essentially, it's a monopod that attaches to a pistol buffer tube or anything designed to accept a Gearhead Works tail hook mod one. It clamps on any round tube from 1.17 inches to 1.2 in diameter and includes a cutie sling socket on the side of the clamping portion. It gives you around three inches of height adjustment to raise or lower the rear of the pistol and provide solid support on top of about six inch fully retracted. Also, you can attach any Atlas bipod compatible foot, uh, spike rubber foot claw to fit your needs. They're made from the 6061 aluminum, and you can get them hard coat anodized black for $149.95 or FDE Cerakote for $184.95. If you've got a precision bolt gun pistol or other large format pistol designed for like longer ranges, I would say this is something that you probably would want to check out. I personally have not had my hands on it, but it looks pretty interesting. Manicore Arms. If you've got the Yugo M85 or the M95, definitely check out the Renegade Handguard. The new updated version has textured grooves for a better grip and two rows of M-Lock slots on each side, plus one on the bottom for mounting all of your accessories. They're made from high-temperature thermoset polymer. There are also several mounting plate top covers available for popular optics. They come in black, Magpul Plum, and Bakelite Orange to match those Bakelite mags. And best of all, they're only $44.95. But if you use the code AVAROX15, that's all one word, AVAROX15, you're going to get 15% off. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Today's AF segment. So I'm sure at this point everyone has probably heard, but in case you haven't, 
On Sunday, a man with a rifle opened fire in a mall in Greenwood Park Mall in Indiana. He killed three people and wounded two before a good guy with a gun took him out. 22-year-old Elijah Dickin happened to be in the mall and immediately engaged the shooter and stopped him within 15 seconds. Not 77 minutes like, you know, some of the 400 cops waiting outside Uvalde, but 15 seconds. This is exactly why good people need to carry and perfectly illustrates how many people can be saved by good people being ready to protect themselves and others. Initially, police reports said that it was two minutes before the shooter was neutralized, but videotapes of the shooting showed that it was only 15 seconds between the first shots and Elijah eliminated the threat to innocent people. Elijah was concealed carrying under Indiana's recently passed constitutional carry law. Gun control advocates are silent on the fact that a good guy with a gun saved so many lives by being armed and instead are screaming about Dickon concealed carrying in a gun-free zone. Hey, Peaches is excited about it, I guess. <laughs> the mall is a private property, which in Indiana, like many states, they can say in policies that you aren't allowed to carry, but it is not a law unlike some locations. All they can do is ask you to leave if someone realizes that you're carrying, and then if you don't, you could be charged with trespassing. That's how it is in Colorado as well. Police praised yeah. Dickon for his actions and stated that he's a hero that saved many lives and was lawfully armed, yet gun control activists completely missed the point. Completely clueless about the law and how many lives he saved, Moms Demand Action Sharon Watts said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but when a 22-year-old illegally brings a loaded gun into a mall and kills a mass shooter armed with an AR-15 after he already killed three people and wounded others is not a ringing endorsement of our implementation of the Second Amendment. What a stupid thing to say. Yeah, I mean, what a dumbass. Yeah, no uh, kidding. And not to mention, so there's so many things of this that like work in our favor. Like one, they want to increase the age for people to have guns. So they're saying that like yeah. 18 to 21 years old is too young. that They want to increase. Well, this kid was 22 years old. I mean, that's still yeah. that's pretty close to the age that they're trying to make it illegal for these people to legally be able to protect themselves. And then a lot of people are saying that he shot at 40 yards. It was actually, I think, 40 feet, which is still good. But yeah, yeah there's okay. just so it was not 40 yards. No, it was not. It was 40 feet. Uh, OK, because I, mean, I was yeah, thinking still great, but yeah. Freaking forty yards shot. That's what when I when somebody first I first heard that and they were like eight out of ten rounds on target at forty yards. I was like, damn, because mm-hmm. uh, that is that is like shooting twenty five yards with a handgun and getting eight on ten is not too bad. So like forty, yeah, that's some serious shooting, dude. That's what I was thinking. I was like, who is this kid and where did he get training? <laughs> yes, yeah, me too. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I don't know. What is that yards wise? How many yards is 40 feet? Uh, let's see. So, I mean, that's at least 13 yards. Yeah, exactly. 13 yards. I mean, that's still, that's still pretty good. So this goes in, I don't know if that, do I need, do you need to finish that? And then you want me to jump in or. Oh no, go for it. I mean, I think, I think most people have already seen all, like they've looked into this because this is a big win for us. So anyone who is into guns, I mean, I'm sure that they've already shared this. They've read all of the details about it. So go for it. Okay. So, so this dude is, I mean, it, it is huge for us. It is really just asinine that the dude is getting attacked 
And it shows how stupid these people are. I mean, it's just an emotional driven yep. basis. Like that's, that's all that it is. It's emotion driven. And uh, so it's wild because I'll tell you another thing this will do. Uh, if this happens more often, it will make people really question. Like if you have a mass shooter, obviously the dude is nuts. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're crazy. Like a, a, a normal human being does not imagine doing these things. So yeah, they're, they're messed up, but there's a couple problems. Like one immediately it's like, well, we got to have background checks. Well, for starters, we have background checks. Like yeah, we have background checks. Every time you buy a gun, there's a background check. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, if it transferred, like if my grandfather had left me one or whatever, but there are background checks. But if the person has no record, like if they have no criminal record and they have no, like they've never been in a, I guess a psych ward or whatever, for lack of a better term, but there's not going to be, what is a background check going to pick up? And yeah. that's the thing these people don't understand. Like it's, when you have actual freedom, there is inherent danger and that just comes along with it. And you got to be, be willing to accept it. But you get into these situations where you have armed guys. Like I also, this shooter kind of, it reminded me of when, uh, oh, what's his name? Jack Wilson that he yes. was in the church. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I think it was like in five seconds, he drew and shot the dude in the head. And, uh, so, see, if you have more things like that happen, like when these shooters come in, if they're dropped in five, 15 seconds, that's going to start to really kind of ruin some of these lunatics' plans because their goal is to inflict a mass amount of damage. That's what they're going for. Like, uh, you know, if they go into a place, they don't want to just shoot two people and then get killed. They want to shoot 20, 20 people. So, to me... Well, and I say this, you know, obviously, like I said, they're not logically thinking. So, I mean, they might not, but I feel like this would be kind of a deterrence if more people are armed and more of these freaking nutbags get shot and uh, stop it. And it's just, it's wild to me. You know, they want to raise the age and I look at that and I'm like, okay, you know, and it's been said by a bunch of people, but like, all right, we have 18 year olds that are trained to use I mean, ARs, M16s, whatever, M4s, whatever they carry now overseas. All right, our military, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and uh, they all carry handguns. They carry rifles. Why are they okay? And then it's not like, so these politicians that want to push that, I would say, okay, so are you going to bump the age up of our military to like 21? Because I don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's really odd and... Yeah, I mean, and I commend this dude. I mean, I'll tell you, that kind of brings it back to reality a little bit that it was about 13 yards. That's still, hey, that's good because I can't imagine yeah. the pressure of being in that scenario. Exactly. You know I mean? So that's what I'm saying is like most people don't shoot well at 13 yards, even at a gun range when there's no pressure. And this kid yeah. obviously stepped in, put his life in danger and had to take a shot and this kid deserves all the attention. Like, let's make him famous. Yes. Let's, let's bury the shooter. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, the, and like, I don't even want to know his name. Exactly. Like, uh, you I, know, agree. I haven't seen his name. Like let's, because that's another, what was it? Was it Rolling Stone or something a few years ago that put the bomber on the cover? You remember that? It wasn't the, was it the Boston Marathon bomber or whatever that they put on the cover of Rolling Stone? Mm, 
I don't remember, but if was, they did that, that's, I mean, why, why would you do that? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what you think about like these people that are obviously very mentally unstable. Some of them maybe like in a lot of them, I think it's a very bizarre or like attention craving. Oh yeah. And I mean, if you see somebody do something like this and then they're plastered on the freaking Rolling Stone magazine or something, well, yeah, hell yeah. These, these crazy folks are going to want to do that. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, if I commit like a bad enough atrocity, I'll be famous. I'll be dead, but I'll be famous. And yeah, I don't, I don't even want to know the shooter's name. Yeah. Let's freaking praise this guy that saved these people. I mean, it's no telling how many more people would have been killed had he not have had a gun. And absolutely. That's what, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I can't grasp these people that are blasting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Elijah Dickens. Awesome. That is his name. So definitely, you know, spread the good word. All right. iTunes reviews. We're actually, we're all out. So if you guys haven't left a review, please do so. I greatly appreciate it. I do apologize for not sending out the prize packs. I'm so behind, but I assure you (laughs) I've made note of every winner and you guys will get it. I just suck at life lately because I have so much going on. All right. So if you guys enjoy the show, you should consider becoming a Patreon. You get access to our Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. It's just a lot of good groups of people in there. And we're just kind of like one big family. You could do so by going to gunfunny.com and click on the support the show link. Or you could even just go to patreon.com and search for gunfunny. Blown deadline. He's given away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month, which reminds me I have to draw a winner. Also, want to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, and Melissa Ridings. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. All right, Logan. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I know you're busy with everything that you do, and I really appreciate you making the time. And just kind of filling us in on sort of that farmer's life, which I think is, you know, I mean, obviously I want to always talk about guns and stuff, but I think it's good to kind of branch off and get an idea of, you know, what's going on in other industries. So I appreciate you filling us in. Can you just remind listeners once again, where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast, all of that good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I'm honored to be on the show. It's always cool to get to, to go on a show, especially one like this. This is awesome. I, I love to talk about farming and I love firearms. So it's like, yeah, this, this is awesome. Best of both um, worlds. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. That's what, uh, it's, it's cool to kind of be, uh, I guess in that, that realm where it's like, Hey, I'm a farmer and a, a lead. I call myself a lead farmer sometimes. So yeah, you can check out, uh, again, talk dirt to me is my farming one. And then living fully loaded. That one is, uh, you know, that's my long running show. Talk Dirt to me is pretty new, but uh, I think there's some cool stuff for both if y'all are interested, especially in firearms. I've had quite a few uh, gun guys and stuff, gun girls on the show on Living Fully Loaded. And yeah, it's TalkDirtPodcast.com and LivingFullyLoaded.com. You can find me very active on Instagram at Low.Hanks, L-O.Hanks. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on the show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And guys, I will talk to you next week. Want to send feedback? 
tell us about a company or anything else, go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>